episode 510 of the Aussie Tech Heads. As always, we are proudly sponsored by ATH Web Hosting. Check out the Aussie Tech Heads web hosting site and sign up for your cPanel. Setting up email is a breeze. They even have Joomla and Drupal and WordPress. <laughs> Aussie Tech Heads web hosting is at athwebhosting.com.au. Due to popular request, this show is hosted by Will and Jason, the two top podcasting hosts in Australia. How's it going, Will? Hey, mate. How are you? It's been a while. We thought you were dead. Well, I had no computer or internet, so, you know. Maybe you're like um, Hot Black Desiato and spending a year death, dead for tax reasons. Okay. No, <laughs> I, um, we you know, moved a few months ago and it's taken that long to, well, get the internet on here. And um, between trying to get the internet on and then trying to actually find time to unpack and set my computer up and everything, and it's just... Fix, uh, fix your earth leak there on your uh, mic. Yeah, I don't think you see that red cable running there. It's... Um, running from the body of my mic up to the back of my mixer and then another one running from the mixer to the PC um, for some really freaky reason. I've got some major earth loopback going on here and um, we spent a couple of hours the other night trying to figure out while I was holding the mic, the audio was good. As soon as I'd let go of the mic or put it in the holder or something, the audio would go really bad and we couldn't figure out why. Yep. And then just sort of popped into my head. I'm like, oh, what about an earth leakage? And sure enough. <laughs> yep. So now I've got to figure out why that's happening because the cable that connects the microphone to the mixer, to the computer, is earth. It's <laughs> earth. supposed to be. So <laughs> I'm not quite sure what's going on. But, uh, Good to have you not... back, though. It's about bloody time. Yeah, it's been a while, but, you know, I'm sure no one missed me. No one probably even noticed I was gone. Just the week when... Glenn and Eric decide to bugger off. They must have heard you were coming back, so they're like, screw that for a joke. We don't want him. Yeah, well, we Glenn told me last week. We got rid of him week. for a couple of few weeks, months. <laughs> Glenn told me last week that he wanted if I could do it because he had to go. And uh, uh, I'm like, yeah, well, I guess worst case scenario, I can probably use the laptop if I have to, you know, but it all sort of aligned itself and... Uh, Managed to get the PC up and running and everything. Oh, it so. must have been that super moon that did it. Oh, yeah, wasn't it just gigantic? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had bigger moons like driving home of, of a night after work yep. and looking up at the horizon, and the moon's huge in the horizon. Yeah. That's what I was expecting it to be when they're talking about the super moon. And I'm like, no. somebody put a photo up the other night of a photo they took on the super moon and then a photo they took on a some random night, you know, six months ago. Yeah. And they've put them overlaid each other and there's like this almost in, imperceptible ring around it that's different between yeah. one and the yeah. other. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson on Twitter had said, the new supermoon is bigger than the moon that we had in October if you count a 16-inch circle is smaller than a 16.05-inch circle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Although apparently it was... um. 14% bigger and 30% brighter, but it didn't seem any bigger or brighter. I still couldn't see in the backyard without tripping over stuff, so <laughs> I don't I know. could hear, actually, I looked the night before that it was supposed to be due because um, I I knew that it was coming up, but I wasn't sure exactly when, so I went out and had a look. I was like, oh, it seems to be 
pretty bright so I went and told my girlfriend about it and then she went out with her daughter and had a look and then the next night it was overcast so we wouldn't have been able to see it anyway so we probably got the best look that we did the night before it was due to happen yeah probably um it was i mean we looked i was coming home watching it because i drive the way i come home I actually drive directly into um well directly into the sun most of the way and then just before i get home i flick 180 and i can see the moon coming up yep and I'm sitting there looking at it going, um, isn't there something supposed to be happening tonight? Like, it's huge! Uh. <laughs> Not. So, yeah, about that. Thanks, guys, for, you know, nothing. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing else happening more important in the world than a 14% larger moon. No, nothing else. I can't think of anything right now. No. Nothing. I'm trying to find the photo because it's been all over my Facebook feed and I can't find it at the moment. But uh, <laughs> that guy goes, oh, I missed the supermoon, but I made my own. Yep. And he uh, stuck a pit of bread up on his kitchen window and took a photo. <laughs> there you go. It looks the same. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> and how's things going with your new interwebs and stuff? You, had, you were talking about a funky new NBN technology that you're going to be on. Yeah, I'm on the hybrid thing. It's it's fiber to the... What am I on? I'm on fiber to the street. So, basically, my... Like, the exchange is fiber, and then they've run a main trunk line, effectively, down the main street, and all the crossroads tap into that, but from the main street... To the house is copper. Oh, okay. It's kind of fibre to the exchange, but it's the next level again. Um, and how's the copper? Do you, it's newish enough copper to give you stable <laughs> speed and everything? Ancient. Ancient. This place is built in like the 60s and it's the original <laughs> copper. Um, but, I mean, it's okay. Um, what sort of speeds do you get? Well, because I haven't been streaming or anything, I haven't got the speed pack. I'm just on the basic level. Uh, yep. And I get about 20 meg down and... Still faster four than up. Glenn, that's all that matters. In yeah. I get 20 meg down and four up. So, on the base speed pack, that's not too bad. Theoretically, if I bump that up to the high speed, I should... If I get... If I can get... You know, I'm happy with 20 down. If I can get 10 up, um, I'd be happy. Yeah, I'm on 140 and I get probably 30 to 50 down and um, probably 30 up on a good day. Mm. If I can get a constant 10 up, that'd be good enough to stream and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Well, so, that sounds all right. Know. Yeah, every week we're talking about how everyone's got the NBN except for Glenn's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actually, it's... Um, speaking of, of uh, NBN, Milo, I believe, sent us a question... Oh, yep. Um, you want to share about, that with us? Yeah, I will if I can find where I <laughs> copy and paste. See, the problem when you copy and paste things to multiple documents uh, is trying to remember where that document was you copy and paste it to. Yeah. Um, yeah, so basically, Milo was saying um, he wants to know if um, he needs to use his ISP's modem with the NBN or if he can buy another one um, and and use that or is he, you know, is he stuck to the one that he's, he's provided? And the answer to that is it depends on your ISP. Um, 
Telstra are actually really good about it, believe it or not. They'll let you choose, they'll let you use any modem, and they give you all the settings. They give you the all the stuff for the VoIP. They give you all the stuff required for the NBN connection. They give you all that stuff, uh, which is surprising, because out of all the people to do it, I wasn't expecting it to them. Um, and the last mob I was with... Um, Exitel. Exitel. They let you use your own router and stuff as well. Um, but I went through a lot of them. I know WAPT, well, at least when I asked them, WAPT, IINet, Optus, uh, and a couple others I asked wouldn't release the settings. So basically means you can't use their, you know, they, you have to use theirs. You can't use a third party. Yeah, IINet probably want everyone to use their Bob modem so they can remote into it and configure it for you because yeah. they figure nobody's smart enough to set up a modem and if something goes wrong, they'll just remote in through their special secret connection and fix it up. The only thing you can't do with the Telstra one, um, if you choose to use your own modem, uh, you can't use the, um, uh, what do they call it, that data anywhere or whatever it is. Oh, okay, yep. yeah. Yeah. Okay, Wi-Fi and stuff. Yeah. So if you use your own modem, you can't use that. Ah, uh, right. Um, so that's the only the only thing I can see. Having said that, I'm currently on the Telstra modem. Um, it's right at this end of the house. It's basically sitting beside my computer here. And right at the other end of the house, I can still get the Wi-Fi. Yep. Um, it, I've had almost... I've had a couple of dropouts, but that was... I think more the um, the copper than the modem. Um, I actually am not having a bad run with it. I'm for now. I'm just going to keep it. I can't be bothered swapping out. I do have a really good, really expensive um, modem I could swap to, but at the moment, I don't think I worry about it. To be honest, if the it ain't broke, don't fix be, it. Yeah, and it's fast. It's reliable. It's stable. Uh, it's got. Wow, it's got a dozen Wi-Fi devices hanging off it with no slowdown at all. Yeah. Um, so, because I've got three uh, Wi-Fi cameras, I've got the Foxtel, the Telstra TV box, um, the I've still got the Optus box that still has stand attached to it that they haven't charged me for. Um, I've got something else in the lounge room that's attached to it all the phones and tablets and uh, it doesn't seem to have any dramas at all with it so oh that's good uh, we get the um, TPG Netcom which is apparently a very terrible one particularly with Wi-Fi which is probably half my problem here and um, on the Winepool website you can see a lot of people complaining about how terrible their default Netcom modem is I mean Compared to, like, you with having, you know, the modem at one end of the house and still being able to Wi-Fi at the other end, I couldn't. I could for a short time, and then it would stop for a while, and I couldn't even ping anything, and then it would go good for a while and then stop for a while. So I ended up getting a very long um, Cat6 cable and plugging it into the um, wall in the NBN wall modem that comes, and then having a cable going halfway around the house in the lounge room to the other end of the lounge room so it's 
midway between one end of the house and the other and plug the netcom modem in there and now it seems to be a lot better that I can get a stable enough connection but as I said I still only get about 30 to 50 down when I'm on a 140 account so even I've got the um, uh, Synology server plugged directly <coughs> into it with a cable and I run a speed test downloading a speed a large ISO file that TPG have got on their FTP server so that you can test the speed and it probably gets 30 to 40 down when it's supposed to be 100 solid when you're wired directly into it. So, hmm. One thing I do like about the Telstra software, I actually really like their interface. So when you first log into the modem, oh, actually, I do hate their IP address. It's 10.0.0.138 is the default modem, like seriously. <laughs> but anyway, um, so it tells you your IP on the WAM. When tells you all your 5G and 2.4G connections and everything that's on there. Um, what PCs are hardwired, what ones are Wi-Fi. Um, you can plug USB hard drives into it and do it that way. It's a you nice little map, isn't it? The deck. Yeah, so it's really nice. Um, you click on your broadband, it brings up all your um, IP address and brings up all your ping rates and data information um same with wi-fi you click on there let you customize a whole heap of stuff that you normally wouldn't even be able to do um content sharing is pretty neat it's built built basically a built-in media center as well so you can plug a hard drive in it with media files on it and turn it into a media center um it's got parental control which lets you turn the internet on and off at peri periods during the day so if you want it off at seven o'clock of a night or whatever you can have a particular device blocked. Um, you know, all your port forbing and... You bloody kids do your homework. The Wi-Fi is off until you fix... You get that done. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then all your advanced stuff. And the one thing... Um, I, I... See, so you can go into your advanced, which is here, and you can set um, all your things I was saying before, but you can actually go in somewhere in here. I can't remember where it is. Um, but you can actually go in there and you can set your... Uh, choose your plan. You can choose whether you want to have the Telstra sharing. You can choose, you know, a heap of different stuff, all from within the interface of the modem. You don't have to actually leave it to do it. Uh -huh. like you don't have to ring them or get on the website or anything. So, you know, I have to admit they've actually done a fairly decent job um is it a telstra branded modem yeah it's just a i don't know what brand it is but it's just a generic telstra one that comes with uh, the um nbn so what was your main reason for going with telstra at the new place um because they gave me free foxtel pretty much <laughs> can't complain with that <laughs> that's the only reason um, and the other reason I had to go with them was because it requires a phone line. Now, this place hasn't had a phone connected since 2006. So there was actually no physical line connected from the house to the exchange because it had been rerouted somewhere else. Ah. So if I was to use any other ISP, they were going to charge me $350 to reconnect the line back to the property. 
Whereas when I went with Telstra, because they own the copper, they did the connection for nothing. Um, they got out their little soldering gun. Yeah, pretty much. Which basically, that honestly was the main reason I went with Telstra. I'm not, you know, I do have preferences that are other than Telstra. Like there are some that are cheaper. There's some that have other things. But at the end of the day, you know, they said, okay, you don't have a line connected. We can get out there and connect it and do it. All the other ones were just passing the buck and passing on to someone else. And you so really, it's like. It's been eight weeks. What's going on? Well, Telstra hasn't done. Hi, Telstra. No, it's the other guys. They haven't yeah, done. But... Okay, no, it's definitely right. Telstra. Well, one of you. I was like one time. I rang, rang up. I think it was the ISP. Put them on hold. Called Telstra and conferenced them both in. I'm like, you two fight it out. Somebody's got to figure this out. I can't just sit here ringing one and then the other and then back to one and then back to the other and it's driving me crazy. You can't keep blaming each other. Yeah, um, that's pretty much it. I mean, look at this. This is part of the standard modem. It does your DSL bit lo loading. It tells you nice. all your bit rates and throughputs. It tells you all your connection rates and errors. That's the current speed I'm on, 21 down, 9 meg up. Um, who manufactures the modem for them? comes with its own ping and trace routes. It's, <laughs> it's pretty intense for a, what would traditionally be a crappy modem. So what sort of um, price and uh, data quota do you get? Uh, I'm on the one terabyte plan. Um, not even tells you the ports for the for the phone. That's interesting. <laughs> um, sorry, uh, it's I'm on a one terabyte plan. Um, we'll get we'll get back to Will when he's finished Fox looking at his modem. Using no, I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm trying to think what it is with yeah I get the basic Foxtel package one terabyte and I'm on the base speed pack yeah so and I pay I think I'm on 99 okay, that's a month so yeah it was pretty decent so is that Foxtel over IP or something then because you don't no right, well satellite here oh, satellite mm. yeah that's what I had when I was out at Red Bank I don't mind Foxtel on satellite actually it, it is a lower quality picture but it tends to be more stable when even when it comes in even over a good connection you tend to get dropouts right the only time we get dropouts here is when we get a massive lightning strike yep then right on drop, the but... satellite dish itself <laughs> then the whole house catches fire well we had a the f last actually last weekend massive lightning strike like i don't know 20 meters that, that way <laughs> and the whole town went down um and they had to bring in you know the big energex trailer oh, okay. generator things yeah they had to bring one of those in and hook up it took them three hours to get power back and then it was another 24 hours before the jenny could leave <laughs> so it's nuts that was pretty impressive um luckily i've got you know batteries and inverters everywhere so i just ran the fridges yep <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Battery Guy is already set up for everything anytime. Yeah, well, I've even got the UPS over there running on my computer and stuff. Speaking my UPS. I had to get one for my girl's girlfriend's car a couple of days ago because it just died. 213 bucks. Ouch. You got shafted. Like, there's only two types of batteries they could put in there, he said, for Mitsubishi Lancer. No, it's not. From NRME. 
Oh, yeah, that's NRMA. Who has the name for batteries? Well, me, because I'm <laughs> not going to... I didn't know if it was that's 100% the, the battery first. I have to get him to come test it. And they're like, well, you could buy it from me or you could go find somebody else to buy it from and then bring it back yourself. I'm like, I don't have and time. I'm supposed to be at work right now. Well, that same battery that you paid 200 some odd for, we sell for 119 Oh, okay. <laughs> so, not only are you paying um, NRMA every year for the privilege of being part of NRMA, you also then get shafted when you actually buy products from them. Oh, okay. So it's like, but oh, no, problem, it's got to be like the Model 2540 battery or something like this. Yeah, which is a 46B24LS. It's like the second most common battery sold. Um, you want to know anything about the, batteries? Talk to him. The, the problem is that and when you're stuck on the side of the road or it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you need a you're either going to call RACQ or your respective, you know, breakdown service. Um, or if it's during the day, the first place that comes to mind is either going to be super cheap Repco or Battery World. Yep. That's because they spend so much money on marketing and advertising. That's what you see and that's where you're going to go. Mm. It doesn't make them know what they're talking about or have a clue or <laughs> anything else, but that's just where you go. Like, we sell batteries for, we sell a, a brand called Amaron, which is an Indian brand, really high quality, great batteries, almost indestructible batteries, last for 10 years. Yep. Um, we'll sell a four drive battery for 269 The same battery at Battery World is 450 Whoa. You know, so, but people go to Battery World and buy it because when they think of a battery, that's where they think to go. Yeah, it's all PR. So, yeah, anyway. Should we do Enough some about stories? That. <laughs> so, the answer to your question, Milo, is it depends on who your ISP is. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very long-winded answer, wasn't it? I don't know what the question was anymore, but that's the answer. <laughs> you got a bit fuzzy there. Uh, magic. <laughs> I don't know why that works. It won't detect my face, but it'll go, oh, look, that's a hand. I need to focus on that. Yeah. <laughs> See? Now you've ruined it again. <laughs> it's so weird. Was that the only question we had to... Um, that was the only question, I believe. There, oh, there was, was a, a story. There was a story yeah. that Glenn, who isn't here, he's slacking off at some beauty therapist. Oh, or, he know. won second prize in a beauty contest. <laughs> the first prize went to the goat. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he does have a thing which we... Well, do you want to do that now or do you want to do that later? Um, get it out of the way, sure. Alrighty. Uh, so it turns out Internet Explorer and Edge has lost an astounding 331 million users in the last year. No. New data has revealed. Really? So the, gov the governments must have stopped using them. The first half of 2016 saw an incremental decline of Internet Explorer users, but after May that decline started to increase at an alarming rate, losing around 40 million users in October alone. It's feared that by March next year, Internet Explorer... It's feed? Why is it feed? <laughs> March next year, the Internet Explorer may hold less than 20% of the market share. What's the fear about that? Someone call it... Bill Gates. They need help. <laughs> this Satcher guy's not working out. Nobody wants a browser. It appears that most of those users leaving Internet Explorer have moved to Firefox. Um, so Mozilla has been the major beneficiary of driving a huge turnaround for the company. Uh, after a steady decline, Firefox has bounced back in the last couple of months. The data which comes from web analytics firm NetApplications 
claims that Internet Explorer's market share has dropped from 44% at the start of 2016 to 23% by October. <laughs> yeah. Daddy, what's Microsoft Edge? Uh, honey, that's a program you use to download Firefox. In addition, the poor performance of Edge could be due to its lack of availability. It's only available on Windows 10, which accounts for 22% of the PCOSs on the market. It might account for 22%, but I don't know anybody of that 22% who actually uses Edge. Um, Chrome, on the other hand, can be used on all Windows versions and even on the Mac. Don't forget Linux. Hello. Premium. And Android. <laughs> um, and iPhone. Yeah. Um, Microsoft could perhaps take heart from Firefox's regurgent? What? Oh, resurgence. <laughs> and hope that... <laughs> Firefox. Same thing. <laughs> um, there's a mosquito between I love them. They're a great band. <laughs> um, uh, some commentators, commentators, that's spelled wrong, have claimed that the cause of the decline in part due to Microsoft's aggressive promotional tactics, <laughs> including its somewhat forceful rollout of Windows 10 which, of course, includes the Edge browser. Rather than engaging users, Microsoft has actually been turning off customers, giving them more reason to abandon Edge. That might explain why they've been losing users despite the browser being critically acclaimed for its features and performance. Who critically right. acclaimed it for its Who wrote this? <laughs> Microsoft did. Oh. Earlier this year. Yes. Yes. Microsoft boasted about the battery-saving capabilities of Edge against other leading... Web I put Edge on... Okay. I <laughs> on think a side it's an note, Edge case, that one. I put Edge on a tablet that we have at work that we use for our mobile point of sale. Uh, not only wouldn't it load zero, um, which is what we use, um, it was slower and in both download, upload, and processing power, it was slower than even in Net Explorer. And it's only um, just now that they're starting to enable plugins, which so many websites need, like Flash and Java mm. and stuff. I mean, yay for the security for the first time in your whole life, Microsoft, but I think you went a little bit too far sandboxing. Great. Completely saying <laughs> no plugins whatsoever. You'll have to use another browser for that means... You're going to use another browser. <laughs> another browser for that. Yeah, it's... um. <sighs> So, according to a previously released um, web analytics from StarCounter, Google Chrome is used by a staggering 70% of all Windows 10 users. Um, and this is the thing. That, I mean, there are locked-down browsers out there. Um, you know, there's some really, really lightweight... I mean, there's some that go as fast as stripping the images out and just giving you the text. So... If you want a secure and lockdown browser, I'm going to go to the one that's privately developed by somebody who knows what they're doing, not Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just doesn't make any sense that... Stick to your I Windows and your Minecraft and Office and that's about it. Don't but I mean, like, else. even on a standard run-of-the-mill PC, Opera, Firefox and Chrome are inherently already faster than Internet Explorer. Um, and Firefox lately has been dubbed that, you know, quite quite re repeatedly. Um, but something like Slim Browser, which is basically what Edge is trying to rip off, 
Slim Browser itself is 10 times faster than Edge. Yeah. So they're ripping off they're ripping off a fast program that's by the program they've made is still faster than their internet explorer <laughs> with less features than the program they're trying to rip off but it's slower <laughs> it's like what uh, what what about this ban chrome and safari and everything from work um, chrome and and mozilla from running on uh on windows like they did back in the day when they just banned netscape and said oh sorry it's a bug <laughs> Did you lose know. your foam thing from your microphone? Yeah, I I couldn't get it back on. Uh, I think it's sun shrunk. And am I popping? Am I? Um, I wasn't going to say directly. <laughs> Maybe a Sorry. lot. There we go. Yeah. Is that better? Yeah, it's good. I actually forgot I didn't have it on. Sorry. So my bad. The first half of the podcast are right off my fault. <laughs> it's not too bad. <laughs> But I just figured since you were... Um, Spitting into the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter introduces mute words as it struggles to fight online abuse. Twitter has taken another step in its long fight against trolls, announcing that it will give users a mute feature to weed out harassing words and phrases from their notifications. The company huh. plans to roll out the feature more broadly Kardashian. over time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Turnbull. <laughs> Trump. Del Harvey, Twitter's Vice President of Trust and Safety, said in an interview, adding to it to notifications was a priority based on the feedback from Twitter users. We've heard from users that this notifications is an area where people don't feel as though they have has much control on Twitter, Harvey said. You're not searching for this content, but it's still something that's coming in your Twitter experience. With the new feature, Twitter users will be able to compile their own list of words, phrases and emoji that they don't want to see pop up on the notifications from the network. Twitter has struggled for years with striking the right balance between protecting open expression on the network and protecting victims of harassment, often fielding heavy criticism for erring too far on the side of free speech. Harvey acknowledged that there were plenty of prime examples of Twitter's shortcomings when it came to policing harassment on the network. The addition of the mute feature wasn't driven by the dialogue around the election itself, Harvey said, but it did underscore for Twitter how much further it still has to go. Harvey said that the but Twitter has also made some changes to the way that users can report harassment on the site to better reflect its policies. Right. I'm sorry, do people still use Twitter? Um, <laughs> Is it still if 16 I'm really, characters? really, or? really bored, sometimes I flick it on, have a bit of a look, and then go, no. Is it still 16 characters or whatever it was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all you get between the hashtags. You get 16 characters to type something. Yep. I think they were talking about increasing it to like a thousand at one stage, but who knows? Well, I know they were. They did up it, didn't they? To from one twenty eight to two fifty six or something. Yeah, up theirs, uh, up yours. Yeah, and then they were talking about making hashtags not count and links. Um, yeah, links shouldn't code. count. Now that's annoying because even if you use uh, a GOGL or a Bitly or something, the links still. 25, 30 characters long, so... And they convert it to TCO for every link, no matter what, anyway. Yeah, well... Yeah, didn't that upset some people when they did that? <laughs> um, speaking of internets, there's a story I was reading the other day about um, the uh, telecommunication um, ombudsman. Yeah. 
the complaints about speed has spiked. Well, between speed and the NBN, um, complaints about service providers' complaints rose by 22%. Uh, complaints about internet data speed rose by 48%. And complaints about the NBN rollout increased by 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Um, new complaints about NBN faults jumped by 147%. Whoa. And NBN connection complaints jumped by 63%. Yeah. So, um, so who here is surprised? <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked. Su- shocked, I tell you. So, basically in the last... Um, the NBN has more than doubled the number of service or premises to almost 1.2 million, in the pre- which is up 485,000 in the previous financial year. But it's down like 3 million on where it's supposed to be. <laughs> um, there was, I'm trying to, there was actually st- numbers they released on the numbers. I couldn't believe how many people, like you look at the graph of complaints and it's sort of been, uh, and then it just goes whack, just <laughs> straight up in like a month or two. It's it's insane. And then mobile's complaints have dropped by nearly a quarter. Yeah. Um, but they still account for basically a third of all complaints. Uh-huh. Overall, the total number of 112,000 complaints was split fairly evenly across mobile, internet service, and landline. So there we go, 112,000 complaints. Yep. 36% were mobile, 34% were ISP, and 28% were landline. Really? 28% landline. So that's like, what's that, 35,000 people complained about their landline. They must be the only 35,000 people who actually have a landline. Because <laughs> um, they don't got no signal in the outback. Oh, it's weird. But yeah, so new complaints about in-net service... Um, rose by 22%, which is the highest level in five years. Um, new complaints about mobile, landline, and internet services. Um, yeah, we're dropping up until the start of this financial year. They actually were on a steady decline. Oh. Um, but then they, they dropped 9.6% from last financial year to the end of this financial year, or well, June, basically. Yeah. But from July to September... They rose by 25%. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Telstra had a held pretty much steady with its complaints. Vodafone dropped by 59%. Wow. Um, Optus increased by 18%. IINet increased by 48%. uh, And TPG increased. The funny thing is. <laughs> How's this work? TPG took over IINet last year. IINet's complaints rose forty eight percent. TPG's complaints rose seven <laughs> percent. So, TPG effect on IINet. <laughs> well, they must have just like went. Okay, if it's a complaint, it belongs to IONet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so overall, our telecommunication industry sucks. Yeah. Um. And we're getting more and more noticed throughout the world. There's a thing I'm reading, another article on um, a lot of people who, whether they're uh, celebrities, whether they're backpackers, whatever, people who are travelling to Australia, um, and they're saying, 
you know, they're getting noticed on Twitter and Facebook and things like that where they're, you know, um, Australia's internet is so slow, it's taken me five hours to upload this five-minute video. <laughs> you know, and um, they're saying that these people who travel the world for a living, yep. you know, they get to a hotel room and if the hotel has internet, yep. sometimes it's Wi-Fi, more often than not, on a normal hotel, it's landline. On a some of the hotels, they're Wi-Fi. If they're and either way, very rarely is it free. Or if it's free, it's so slow you can't use it, so you've got to pay for it anyway. That's what I've noticed. I just use the data on my phone and share that out if anyone wants internet when we go somewhere. Because really, the, and even if you do find somewhere, and we noticed this when we were travelling. Even if we did find somewhere that had um, free internet, it was so damn slow, or it was a reasonable speed, but they only gave you like 200 meg. Yep. And then you had to purchase some more. <laughs> Another like, 200 meg. Yeah, for like $15. And if you're away for a couple of weeks, suddenly you get updates uh, for your phone operating systems and your tablets and everything can't do that right and they don't and you know and they wonder why you crack it at them and a lot of those will automatically download as well you just turn on your phone and it's like hi i just downloaded the new operating system it was four gigs on your hotel's 200 meg limit you now owe them a thousand dollars yeah and but the you know all these people are saying well hang on you go to anywhere in the world, you go to the slums of wherever, and they offer free high-speed internet. Yeah. Like, it's just a thing that everyone does now. Yeah. Not I've in done, Australia. I've done stories here about um, Cloudflare and other peer-sharing networks and stuff overseas, uh, and they complain about prices here are like 10 to 40 times much for them mm. to peer data within the networks because of Telstra's high prices for data in Australia. Well, not only, I mean, it's just high prices in general. I mean, even, you know, you and I know, I mean, we, we host a small server, Minecraft server. Yep. And relatively speaking, it's it's on the small scale of, of servers. Yep. And we pay more per month for that than some of the largest servers. Yeah, if we host pay, it overseas, yeah. we'd be paying like, five or ten bucks a month for double triple the size and speed and everything that we got now but we're like well there's not very many australian servers but uh we'd like to have ours hosted here so people could have low ping times and stuff and you know we tried overseas with creeper host and stuff but it's just not quite good enough because you get the lag well that's it you hit the overseas undersea cable and that's it your 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 connection goes to crap but the problem is as you said we're paying five to ten times more for the same service it's just it's just ridiculous and there's no excuse for service (laughs) yeah less service and and the only reason is because our government's so damn brain dead that they reckon that the internet we we have is perfectly fine and everyone stopped complaining they probably think the internet we've got is huge so big that you'll never use up all that data and speed ever in your whole lifetime the politicians are probably like, well, they've got plenty of bandwidth to complain about us on Facebook, so that's all they need. <laughs> well, the politicians <laughs> have got NBN direct to their houses. Oh, yeah, that's I guarantee every single one of them does. 
Keeping in line with that one, NBN, a third of Australia's apathetic about getting connected research shows, turns out a large quantity of Australians are largely blasé about the whole deal. Research found that the Australians who don't currently have a connection, 31% aren't fussed about getting one. 13% haven't even bothered to check. And 7% don't even know how to check when the NBN might be coming to their homes. While the rollout is national, Victorians are most likely to have not bothered to connect up even when an NBN service is available, while folks in Western Australia are the least likely to know how to check for service availability of NBN future plans. Well, it doesn't help that not only that, but on the NBN site where you do check what you, when you're getting it, they took off what you were getting. It used yep. to actually say what sort of connection you were going to get. Now it doesn't. And they it also says, removed out what month it's going to be coming to you. Because yeah. people would say, you said that it was coming in July. It's now October. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't. It's totally not on the site. Go hit refresh. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Well, those are survey, survey results. They dovetail nicely with the NBN Co's own figures that suggest that nearly 2 million households are NBN ready, but are yet to actually connect. Clearly, something is up with how we perceive the entire NBN project, and it's not hard to see what it is. It's not so much to do with technology or indeed our appetite for broadband. With the rise of services such as Netflix, Australia's, Australians are consuming data like never before, and that's leaving aside any and all economic benefits of fast broadband. It's because the NBN has, since its inception, been a massive political football with errors all around no matter which side of the politics you barrack for. We've heard the hype over and over again about, and around a third of us are either confused by it or sick of it, and quite likely both. What's been left is a national mess that's been hyped, pushed, pushed back, redesigned and redeployed multiple times to the point that NBN could stand for any one of seven different technologies that might end up providing your broadband tomorrow, or maybe not until 2020, and that's assuming no further wrinkles in the overall rollout schedule. History suggests that's an optimistic view, to put it politely. Understanding the nuances of seven different connection methodologies is fine for technology geeks, but for the average punter who just wants to watch the latest Netflix Marvel series without endless buffering, it's baffling and irritating in equal measure. Australians are keen adopters of new technology, but the promises of the NBN, both in its original fibre for everyone incarnation and its everyone will have 25 megabits by 2016 redesigned version, have failed to reach their well-publicised goals to date. Even the failures have been fodder for political point scoring, and if you spend enough years telling someone that a project is a pig, eventually everything starts smelling like rancid bacon. That's sad given the potential economic impact of fast ubiquitous broadband, and that's undoubtedly the reason for widespread apathy. Yes, well, it's starting to sound like the Vogons developed it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At least they probably would have had it done by now. I mean, seriously, it's been a huge mess. You think, okay, we can't leave it up to the telcos because Telstra will roll it out and then say charge triple for all the other telcos to use it. So we can't go with that. And they wanted mm. people to use their copper for another 50 years or 100 years with its bits of um, glue, sticky tape and band-aids holding it together. But um, you say, okay, we'll give it to the government. They can do it for everybody. But no, of course, they're going to screw that up and then change governments and then change governments and then we've got to do it differently. No, people don't need it that fast. Yes, they do. What are we going to do? Who knows? Let's just screw it up. 
Yeah, I mean, even way back when it started, there was that French company that wanted to come in and go, hey, we can have it done in 12 months. Yep. And under budget, under time, and they could all be um, fiber optic. But if all the your best went, mates need a job in the NBN and you can give them triple the wage of what the salary, what they deserve, you got to get them in to manage it. And they all, they all get in, they're like, what do we do now? I don't know. Maybe we should contract it out to some people who might know what to do. Okay. What's the cheapest contractors we can get? Yeah, well... Hello, the, this is Dodgy Brothers. We're here to install your internet. That's the... Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's what just bugged me about it was this should have already been completed and done. It would have been done in 12 months. The French company said, look, every house has already got a water pipe going to it. All we need to do is float the optic down the water pipe, punch it through, seal it off, done. It takes like... You don't have like, to worry about... Optics getting water in there. There's no, no rust. There's no corrosion. That's right. No problem. That's what they said. They said they could do every house in six minutes. And and a lot of the other countries even go through the sewage pipes because they're yep. largely empty most of the time. You can tack it along the roof. I wonder if I can find. I had a piece of optic fiber here somewhere. I wonder if I can put my hand on it. But you can. It's literally. Um, Actually, it's really interesting to watch the production of optic fiber. It literally starts off as a sheet of glass. Yep. And goes into a heat oven and runs on a on kind of a, a drum, I suppose. And it literally just gets pulled off this drum. And it gets pulled further and further and further. And the further away it gets pulled, the thinner it gets. Ah, okay. And, yeah, it's... Pretty amazing to watch. When I mean, that was the original optic fiber, I'm pretty sure it's changed production since then. But it's really amazing. Yeah, they've got. Uh, I've seen on podcasts they've got this bendable, twistable fiber now that doesn't crack or anything. Because yeah, normally, optic fiber, like Mister T had at his other house, that takes forty-five and ninety degree turns up the wall and stuff. It's not really good for the light to bounce around in, and it ends up cracking the glass in there. You have to keep. Great big long loops and turns to make sure that the signal's going to keep getting through and you don't shatter the glass that's going through it. Well, it's, that's still the case. Yeah, you, you you try to minimise the amount of bends in optics because yeah, the more the light has to bounce around, the more confused it can get. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't... In the old days, optic fibre could be broken very easily. All you'd have to do would actually bend it more than whatever it was, 30 degrees or something, would actually break. Now you can you can wrap it around your hand, but it doesn't perform very well. It actually affects the speeds the more corners it's got to go around. Yep. So, yeah, but anyway, that's a pipe dream. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, pipe dream or what a pipe dream? Yeah, uh, pipe dream's a pipe dream. Wasn't that a game? Calif no, California. pipe. <laughs> California games, didn't yeah. they have like pipe dream in this Yeah, that was great. I was terrible at surfing. <laughs> I was hopeless at all those games. Every single one of them sucked. The only one that I was remotely good at was the freestyle roller skating one where you're roller skating down the street. Oh, okay. That's about the only one I was any good at. <laughs> I couldn't even play Paperboy for crying out loud. <laughs> Competitive type games. I didn't mind Skate or Die. That was fun. Well, we're going. Speaking of old games. Yeah, there's this other show that we sometimes have done in the past. <laughs> you may remember it from a long time ago. <laughs> way, way back. 
<laughs> yeah, we got to get back into that. Oh, fuck you. So I had a couple emails the other day asking when it's come back, actually, so we should do that. Obsidian Loft we've got to get into as well, and there's been a few updates, so we've got to ha- get back into Minecraft. Llamas. And, yeah. He's a llama, there's llama. a llama, and another little llama. Funny llama, fuzzy llama, 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 duck. Bad llama. They <laughs> spit um, in your eye. <laughs> but uh, sort of in the in the uh, old fart geek sort of uh, yeah. mindset. Yep. EB game servers go down as demand hits the roof for the mini NES. Um, twice now I have been shafted by by EB. Thank you very much. That doesn't sound fun. Twice I have paid a deposit to have the console, and twice I have been told they've overordered and I am to have my deposit back. Hmm. So not impressed about that, but yeah, apparently. Um, yeah, one of my friends. Sorry, before you go further, in Brisbane, yeah. tried to get it several times and now he has a lovely raspberry pi 3 and is running all the games yeah, and everything that's right actually i was looking at the raspberry i was looking at the raspberry pi 3 i'm trying to decide if i'm gonna get the raspberry pi or the banana there's a one called the banana which looks pretty cool oh, yeah. um but yeah the mini replica of the nes which includes hdmi connectivity and 30 classic games built into the system was in such high demand that it crashed the eb website um, basically, EB had announced it was increasing server capacity to handle expected demand, but clearly underestimated just how many people wanted to buy it. Video Game Entertainment Software released a statement on Twitter saying it was unprecedented amount of traffic on its website. Um, despite juicing up our servers, our website couldn't cope with record traffic of tens of thousands of enthusiastic gamers. We were running 45 servers, each with 32 CPUs, for a total of 1,440 CPUs handling the website. On a normal Tuesday, we have about 500,000 page views. Yesterday, we hit over 7.5 million. They might need Cloudflare <laughs> or something to buffer. Yeah, them. I know. Why would you even bother? Did, was, but, did, was their servers made by the same people who made the Australian census servers? It's probably the same server. <laughs> Some dude in the backyard with a cupboard full of Come Atari's. on, Bessie, you can do it. Give it a jab. <laughs> there we go. So there's 1,440 CPUs, but they don't say what they are. <laughs> Um, Celeron, yeah, mobile Celeron. No, the uh, the Pro, Pentium Pros. <laughs> Commodore sixty four, y'all six five zero two for the win. Oh eight oh eight six XP XT. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, Nintendo's unable to supply additional stock this year. Um, apparently, Target and Big W randomly between now and christmas will advertise on their website at random times for random periods for random lengths of time that they have some for sale and it'll sell out so, in 10 minutes y- well yeah they don't say how it's many it's gonna be like catch of the day for, for target isn't it <laughs> pretty much um so basically they release at 99 dollars uh, and they're currently on eBay. I found one a couple of hours ago for 650 Whoa. So, yeah. But in the same vein, um, who remembers what these are? <laughs> my, the good uh, old my Sega My ex-wife had one of those things she was into that I called her a semi-vintage console gamer. <laughs> so the Sega Mega Drive is back in production. Um... While most gamers are 
for, uh, uh, frothing for vol virtual reality and HDR graphics, residents of Brazil can't get enough of the Sega Mega Drive. The 16-bit gaming system is still selling 150,000 units annually, which puts it almost on par with the amount of PlayStation 4 sold. Whoa. To meet Brazil's extremely high demand for the retro gaming, Tech Toy has announced it will begin manufacturing new units again. According to Atlas Obscura, the company has long been promoting the retro console uh, it was even been producing new games long after the system had faded from view. While it's already a Sega Mega Drive classic console with 80 built-in games for sale in Australia, <clears throat> and good luck finding that, uh, the new consoles manufactured in Brazil will be much closer to the original. Officially licensed by Sega, Mega Drive will be compatible with all of the original games whilst also offering the 22 built-ins. Um, while the ability to play cartridges is a welcome feature, the actual system itself has also kept other components from the past. Unfortunately, the console is only AV, meaning no HDMI, which won't worry because Brazil is still an analog TV anyway. Um, the revival of retro gaming systems is nothing new with Australia being offered the Mini NES. So, although purists might be a little upset as Tech Toys cartridge-friendly Sega Mega Drive has no Aussie release date. They should be able to make so. it smaller. I saw um, years ago that somebody had made a whole Commodore 64 emulated machine with built-in games inside a joystick oh yeah well look at the um i mean the, you could but why would you that's the whole point of because having the you console can. <laughs> well no but if you want an emulated machine then you can have an emulated machine i mean an android device will emulate just about every game up to a playstation well, so you know many nintendo is like a linux box with emulator running on it hmm. a raspberry pi will do all all that sort of stuff as well but if you're going to re-release a console re-release the console probably yeah you know do it and people are going to appreciate that you've actually gone to the trouble of re-releasing the console not just even if there's only making... two chips inside it that can run yeah. the whole thing these days <laughs> well they're going to have a power supply in it and then they're going to have the the video driver part of it then there's going to be the memory and the processing stuff which will probably all be a, a chip on board anyway yep. um, and a couple of controller ports you know it's not going to have much in it but it's going to be true to the original console which is what people want having said that it's not that hard to make the console as it was originally all the components that was in the original console are still around there's nothing special about them and they're not outdated in any way in terms of, they're not out, well, they're not outmoded anyway. They're still available. So you could actually make an original console the same way it was originally made. Nice. If you wanted to. And some people have. So there's been people who have actually made Commodore 64s and Amiga 500s using off-the-shelf components because yep. that's what they were made the first time around. <laughs> so speaking of reimagining things, have you seen the new season of MacGyver? No. <laughs> Is it worth it? It's, it's um, what I call it, a reboot. Yeah. So it's... I thought it had been advertised, but I haven't bothered watching it. It's actually... It took me about three episodes to get out of the mindset that it was... Not um, Richard Dean Anderson. <laughs> well, yeah, that, but got it, I had to get out of the mindset that it wasn't a sequel or a prequel or a... It, other than the characters' names and the concept being the same... That's about it. The, the the way it's done, the way it's shot, the the sort of mode and the mentality of the show is entirely different. Yeah. So it does take a little bit... To, like, Dalton isn't a bumbling fool. He's actually Max 
bodyguard effectively. Uh, so, you know, and it takes a bit, took me about three episodes to get out of the old show into the new one. And now I actually quite enjoy it. Um, I think it's obviously it's got to develop and, and find its place, but it's, it's not too bad, but yeah. it's, uh, but it keeps you busy between that, uh, Scorpion and Mr. Robot. <laughs> Um, which I haven't watched a new season yet. I just have not had time. Um, what I about know. The blacklist? I just, I, uh, yeah, I didn't mind that. Yeah. Um, I haven't had time to watch the new Mr. Robot. I just, I got, I've actually got to go back and watch the last season again, and then I'll watch the second we, season. We were cause... the same. We're thinking the <laughs> same with um, Orphan Black. Mm. We're going to have to. With season three had come out, but. What, what was it? season one and two again? We have to go mm. keep... We've got we to binge watch all of the seasons. You can't watch two and then wait a year and then watch three. You're like, what was happening at the end of... I don't remember yeah, anymore. And right. that, that quick recap, that's just not going to do it. It doesn't help at all, <laughs> no. But like, I, with I, Mr. Robot, I watched through season one and then my girlfriend and I watched through season one with what I knew from the finale and stuff of season one. Help? And it helps, and also okay. you're going, these, wow, they planned, and then... Yeah. That's why I've got to go back and watch it, because in my mind, I can see some things now, but yeah. I've got to go back and watch it, and actually... <laughs> and they, they'd worked all that out, so Sam Esmail's a freaking genius, man. I read all uh, of his stuff on Reddit and stuff, where they've got interviews with him. He did an AMA on Reddit, and read oh, okay. through all his answers and things, and... Both my girlfriend and I have got in um, season two, episode one. There's a song by I Monster called Daydream, and that's our ringtones now because we just loved it <laughs> so much. It was brilliant, but um, there was a one or two things about the twists in season two that I picked up just somewhere before the end. I was like, "But what if this meant that?" And she's like, "Yeah, maybe." And then we're like, "Yep." That was it, all right. <laughs> but now <laughs> we want to watch sometimes. season two again because of the twist that happened in season two. Mm. Then you need to go back to the start of season two and watch it through again with what you know. And then it's like, wow, this is. Yeah, I actually want to have like when I'm on next week off, I'm planning a one day of nothing. I just want to start at the start and <laughs> go <laughs> because it's, I think it's the only way I can process what's going to go on. <laughs> Our problem was, uh, it's it's eleven. 30 at night we really can't watch we've just watched four in a row one more <laughs> come on oh, i got work tomorrow oh, screw it okay man i'm gonna be tired when i get on start work tomorrow i think i'll start and we'll do the 10 till 6 shift instead of nine to five or something. <laughs> and there's an, another show if people like um emergency room drama medical dramas um or medical thrillers i guess this would be it's called code black yeah it's based on a, um, a documentary where it's actually based in a real hot. Well, it's based around a real hospital. A code black in an ER is basically when you're out of doctors, you're out of nurses, you're out of beds, you're out of room, and you're out of time. That's pretty much what a code black is. Most you're hospitals, effed. yeah, pretty much. Most code blacks, or most hospitals, have a code black like three times a year. Um, this particular hospital has a code black 300 times a year. Whoa. Um, so, and it's based on this hospital and the, the story behind it. And it's full on, like this show does not stop 
for the 35 minutes or 40 minutes you watch yeah. it, it's just on the whole time. And you're exhausted just watching this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Not only am I exhausted watching it, the actors must be... Because so there's some episodes where you see, let's say, two doctors the entire 35 minutes. Yeah. That doesn't come. Other stuff happens, but they're going, you know, and you're like, sometimes it's set real time. So that 35 minutes is 35 minutes. Sometimes yep. it's set over a couple of days, but you can just, oh man, it's, it's, I'm not a big fan of medical shows generally. I can't stand them as a rule. Green Wing um, was a good one. Yeah. And most of those, I, I think a country practice was the last medical show I watched. Yep. <laughs> oh, there's but, something else too with um, Mr. Robot. They have, real secrets hidden in there so there's mm. there's one part in season two when um what's his name elliot is flicking through a notebook he's got and he's drawn a qr code image yep. so you pause your video get your phone out take a click of it and it takes you to a secret website and these are peppered throughout the whole thing you just have to know where to look there's like there's something on on reddit like something like um Mr. Robot decoded or something like that and people are putting up all these tidbits and information they're finding kind of like what they did with Archer there was um, one guy mm. from Reddit had noticed there was some hex codes just randomly in the back of a picture when they were showing somebody's um, company file so he thought I wonder if I put that through something and he converted to ASCII and it was a URL so he goes to the URL and there's a place where you can log in, and if you watch the show enough, you know the jokes about their logins are always crap usernames and passwords, so you use one of those from the show. And on there is an MP3 file, so you download that, you play it, sounds like nothing, but you run it through a Spectrum analyzer, and it has a picture in there with a website address, and then you go to that website address, and it sends you back to another computer login, and it just goes on and on and on. And, they find all this stuff hidden in there, and Mr. Uh, Robot is quite similar to that as well in that respect. Yeah, there's, I, I think there's four or five per episode. It's nuts. <laughs> I, caught, I caught a couple of them in the first season. I noticed a couple. Yep, yep. So, but how that show ever got past the, the US nannies, I have no idea how they let that show air. Tell it you. wasn't, before, yeah. They just... It's... So, it, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's too it's clever depressing. for normal network television. Well, that's probably what it is. The people who, who the people who let it get through, probably didn't understand. It's it's also amusing that they'll um, censor out the f word, but not the c word and stuff like yeah. this. <laughs> In well, the same on, sentence. But it depends on where you watch it too. Yeah, because a lot of them they're not censored out, and some of them they censor like half of them. Yeah. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> crazy. Oh dear. Uh, and that's from uh, this week in uh, movies. Now, <laughs> Apple may be eyeing smart glasses, but are we ready for them? After bringing out the market leading, what market leading Apple Watch? Really? Who wrote this? Phil probably Schiller the same person. Tim it, Cook. Probably the same person. In the article I was reading it said, "Are we ready?" Seen as the the huge flop that was Google Glasses. I'm like, yeah, really. <laughs> Apple is now considering the next step in wearables, smart, a.k.a. digital glasses. Consumer Electronics Joint is weighing 
weathered to get into the digital glasses business, according to a report this week from Bloomberg. The wearable device would sport a wireless connection to the iPhone, display images and data on the wearer's field of vision, and tap augmented reality, the report said, citing unnamed sources familiar with a secret project. Shh, secret squirrel. Apple has reportedly ordered limited quantities for testing of the types of display used with the glasses, but that doesn't necessarily imply that Apple will embark upon volume production right away, according to Bloomberg, which added that the glasses, if they did get the green light from Apple, wouldn't be introduced until 2018 at the earliest. Will Apple succeed where Google failed? Dun, dun, dun. This is definitely a smart move as there's growing interest in AR, Jitesh Urbane said. The augmented reality's most important difference from VR, virtual reality, is that it doesn't wall you in completely to an alternative reality. Rather, AR lets you interact with the real world around you. The best example of AR is Pokemon Go, that nobody plays anymore, by the way. <laughs> but Apple should target business first and consumers second, Mr. O'Brien said. It would be in Apple's best interest to target the commercial audiences first. The benefits are more well-defined and user acceptance tends to be higher, he said which is a lesson that Google learned quite painfully. Looking back at Google Glass, it failed to work in the consumer setting and wasn't able to sway sentiment. Many consumers outright hated the idea. Remember glass holes, Mr. Ubroni said, who added that Google Glass actually did well in some narrow vertical commercial markets. Indeed, the few consumers who tested Google Glass were typically ostracized because of the built-in camera, I think privacy concerns, pegged to the potential for stealth videos, and users found the glass to be kludgy and odd-looking, plus the fact that few were well-heeled enough, that few were well-heeled enough to afford the 1589 Australian price tag. But that doesn't mean that Apple won't take a different tack. Snap, firmly Snapchat, is offering a bare-bones take on smart glasses with a new spectacles for $130 with limited availability. The glasses are essentially a wearable camera that allows you to shoot video with an on-air light so everyone knows you're taking video, then upload it to your smartphone via Bluetooth, and of course you can then post it to Snapchat. One of Snap's taglines underscores the glasses' simplicity, just for Snapchat. If Snap succeeds in consumer space, that could be the green light for Apple too, and Apple needs another hit product. What say you, Mr. T? Yes, can I please upload a 2 gig file to my phone from my goggles with Bluetooth? Yep, and then post it with Australia's internet speed. That in no way is going to go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And I was reading recently that Optus is testing some 5G thing in Australia now. Uh, A couple of them are. Telstra is testing it as well. Mm. So, we'll see. Color me sceptical till something happens. Yeah, I mean, we said that at 4G too and they actually did it. So, Shut up, did not, your face did. <laughs> so, I don't know, but I mean, for, see, the numbers have lost. 2G meant something. Mm-hmm. It meant, you know, it, it was a whole network branch. Second generation. 3G, yeah, okay. 4G is kind of just that thing there that There was also 3.5G you know. for a while, wasn't there? Yeah, That's wasn't the it? Uh, HSDPA. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. And now, five, like the numbers of don't have meaning anymore. It's it, it sort of lost its impact. Um, I was actually talking to a customer today who has an old. They're still using a Nokia thirty one ten, a fifty one ten. If the candy they bar. dropped it, it would put a pothole in the ground. <laughs> um, they came in today to get a new battery for it because they need a new battery like every four years. <laughs> 
Um, it had finally run out, hadn't it? He hasn't charged it yeah, in four right. years. The battery went flat. He's like, what am I going to do? Takes it to the battery <laughs> shop. I need a new one. Here you go. Um, it's pretty much about right, too. It's, I mean, it lasts like two weeks or something on charge. Um, but he said he's going to be able to use it till the end of the year because they're shutting down the 2G networks. And they're starting to look at 3G getting rid of it as well. They were talking about it in the news today. Which will be interesting, given that just about every FPOS terminal in the country uses 3G. <laughs> so when, when they work, I mean, even now you go into a place right in the city, whether it's a major capital city or whatever, and they're like, yeah, hang on, we'll have to do this about three or four times with your card because it just can't get the signal through. Uh, we're forever having problems with our FPOS. It's ridiculous. Although... Uh, having said that, on Monday, I think it was, they changed us to 4G ah, on our FPOS. Yep. And since they did that, we I haven't had one dropout, I haven't had one communications error, I haven't had one problem with it since they did, went to 4G. Ah, good. And the actual, like if you do a pay wave now, yep. actually does it in like two seconds. Always do a pay wave. I prefer that to anything else. Which confuse, you can under 100 bucks. No, you can pay wave anything. You just have to still type in your PIN. No, a, a lot of the systems, a lot of the our St George FPOS won't let you pay wave over a hundred. It physically won't give you the option. Well, um, but our Bank of Queensland one does. So it actually comes down to the bank over a hundred dollars whether or not they'll let you do it. Why? I don't know. Because screw you, hippie. Pretty much, which. It's annoying because as an ING customer, I get 4% back. I still get it. They're stopping it, but they haven't stopped it yet. Um, they stopped it for me. Did they? Yeah, it stopped huh. at the end of last month. Um, no, mine's um, it's either end of November or end of December. But um, either way, they, yeah, you get your 4% back when you pay wave. So, you know, you spend two or three or four hundred bucks somewhere, you pay away, you get four percent back. Well it makes it worth it. But yeah, there's a lot of FPOS machines that you can't pay away over a hundred bucks. That's that right. Hmm. Got any more story? Heaps, but uh, we're probably running pretty long, are we? Yeah. <laughs> I got one quick one if you got one. Apple Pay expands to Australia, so if you've got an Apple phone you can use your phone to pay wave for the thing we're just talking about. <laughs> Which by the way, if you've had an Android phone, you've been able to do for about like three years. I love it. I just walk into the <laughs> shops around because I'm in a small country town now. And they're like, how would you like to pay for that? Pay wave? And I'm like, yep. And they're like, okay, there it is. And I open up my yeah, Android phone and go beep. And they're like, "One thing. what did you just do? Might, one thing you might want to um, just be wary of too. And I'll show you because I literally changed my battery yesterday. Um, and you'll notice with a lot of these aftermarket batteries... They don't have the RFID chip in the battery. Mine doesn't so, either because it's not available. I've got a case that has the RFID in it. Okay, yeah. The the factory battery on a lot of phones, the Note 3, Note 4, etc., had the RFID in the original battery. Now, I wasn't thinking when I put this battery in, I chucked the other one in the bin. <laughs> Had I not done that, I could have pulled the label off and stuck it on this battery and it would be perfectly fine. Um, so just be aware of that. On newer phones, if you're changing the battery, they generally don't have the RFID. And that reminds me, there's some moron on YouTube who's decided that his, every phone is pulling the RFID chip out of here because he's saying that it's the government spying on him. 
What, so, what color is his tinfoil hat? But um, that's not a government spying device. It's an RFID chip. It's supposed to be there. So, yeah, Mostly otherwise... a coil if you, and a tiny chip and that's it. Pretty much. <laughs> doesn't go anywhere. Um, if you want to know how RFID works, uh, or generally any of the contactless... Or anything um, whatsoever, just Google it. <laughs> Google uh, this co- new thing that's just come out. It also really helps you not find fake stories on Facebook and share them to your friends. Um, you can, yeah, if you how any of the contactless stuff works, go to YouTube and look for a guy called Big Clive. So just searching Big Clive for the channel um, on RFID or something. He's a really, really smart, intelligent electronics engineer who has this ability to really simplify things to the point that anybody can understand them without making you feel like an idiot. He does a really good job of it. Um, so if you want to know what the RFID stuff is or how the wireless charging works or how any of that sort of stuff works, go and check out his channel um, and you'll learn a lot and have a lot of fun doing it. Nice. Um, so yeah, as Warlock said, if you don't have the RFID, you can get the case that has it built in. You can also use the quick charge um, you, if you've often wondered why there's terminals around your battery there so when you get the quick charge adapters you put on the back of your battery they sit on there as the terminals and when you put your battery on the quick charge device it quick charges your phone so there you go nice. uh, last thing I got we might wrap up with Domino's starts delivering pizza by drone <laughs> but only in New Zealand bro I was going to say as long as they're nowhere near Bunnings yeah if you measure the future in terms of how pizza is delivered, the future is now. Domino's now delivers via autonomous drone. Today, the pizza chain officially launched its drone delivery service in New Zealand. The pizzeria chain has been working with Flirty and the program for a while now, but it's only just started offering it to a select group of customers. Drones offers the promise of safer, faster deliveries to an expanded delivery area, Domino's Group CEO Don Meiji says meaning more customers can expect to receive a freshly made order within our ultimate target of 10 minutes. Drone deliveries are being integrated in the company's online ordering system, and the company says it hopes to expand the drone's deliveries to a wider area soon. The company didn't announce its plans to bring drone delivery to the United States, but Flote is working on it. Earlier this year, the company performed its first FAA-sanctioned delivery in Nevada, carrying emergency food, water, and a first aid kit to an empty house. What? Why does an empty house need emergency water and food? Anyway, that's promising, but it will probably be a while before you can order in by air. US drone standards are pretty strict. Hey, look, I found that fire rock I was talking about. Hey, <laughs> better late than never. I knew I had it somewhere. So, yeah, you can do this with new fire optic. Cool. You couldn't do that with old stuff. Definitely not. I remember getting told off in a server room for trying to tidy it up by winding it around things. <laughs> what well, have you done? This is fiber. You can't do that. Never well, seen the there. spinning fiber optic droopy. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, with the LED lights in yeah. it. Well, they started off as a cheap rip-off fiber optic that was for ornamental purposes. Yep. And that's actually what inspired this. Ah. They went from that to a, an actual true fiber optic that would do that. Nice. So, 
Well, don't forget you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Watch our videos on YouTube at, you guessed it, youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Each week on Facebook, we post free, well, we used to post free applications for iPhone and Android, but we do when we get around it. That's good, so <laughs> I'll just delete that line from the script. Listen to various Australian podcasts streaming from AussieTechRadio.com. Two Blokes Talking Tech, the Obsidian Loft Minecraft podcast, Old Fight Geeks, Geeks Fear, Your Tech Life, and much more. So this has been Jason and Will, Australia's top two podcasting heroes. Disasters, we'll tell you. Finishing off for another week on Aussie Tech Heads. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.